again, would it be helpful if I just open those doors? Are they able to see me? They just can't hear me? Okay. Hold on just one second. All right. We're having a little uh, audio issue with the overflow, and we do know we have people over there. So if it appears that I am screaming at you today, that is not what is happening. I'm just projecting so that perhaps through the doorway, they can hear me a little bit better until we get it figured out, uh, which we are working on. So we'll see if that happens. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Michael. I'm going to read our passage today from Isaiah 14, uh, 64, 1 through 9. Oh, that you may rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard nor ear has perceived nor eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to help those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like leaves, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, when I was a kid growing up, excuse me, there was a story and a movie that was told of a hero. And it started like this. Somewhere far off, there was turmoil. And in that turmoil, there was the leader of a group of people. And they thought to themselves, I have to save my son. And so he took his son and he put him in this vessel and he shot that vessel from that planet and sent it and it went going across universe and space and time until it got to the earth's atmosphere. And as it began to go through the earth's atmosphere, it shot through like a meteor and fire ripped through the sky. And there was a farm couple that was driving down the road and they looked up and they saw the sky being ripped apart. And they thought to themselves, we better get out of here. No, that's what I would have thought. What they thought to themselves is, let's find out where that landed. And so they drove as quickly as they can to follow this object that had ripped through the sky, bringing salvation to this little baby boy. And Farmer and Mrs. Kent open up this meteor, and there is Clark. 
At least that's what they called him. But we know him as Superman. Now, again, when I was growing up, when we talked about superheroes, we didn't carry with us all of the bad baggage that they have. We only thought of them as mighty and huge and big and good. In our world today, it seems like we need heroes. And we think to ourselves that it would be great if we had heroes that were unencumbered by fleshiness, by the world, that they weren't tied down to some back dark story that we've got to figure out in two of the three movies that are going to be produced about them to get more and more of our money. Movies, don't we miss them? Being in the cinema, maybe that's just me. But wouldn't it be great? I mean, we can look large scale, and I dare say some of you could look small scale in your own lives and think to yourself, if only I had a hero. If only someone would come from somewhere out there and bring something to me, and we cry out with hope. So the title of this sermon as we begin Advent series is This is the Sunday of Hope is one that we say we're searching for hope. And that's what takes place here in Isaiah. It's a searching for hope, a calling out and a desire for hope. It first starts with a petition, with a prayer, even a lament where the prophet says, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Oh, that you would be here. Do you, don't you see how bad the world is? Don't you see how much we're struggling down here? Oh, that you would just tear the sky apart and get down here. That would be great. That would be awesome. And more than that, it's not just this petition to say, oh, that you would, would tear the sky apart and come down. It's that we want your presence, right? We don't just want you to tear the sky and show your might. We, we want your presence. You hear him say this, come down that the mountains will tremble, what, before you. And when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes the water to boil, come down and make your main moan to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. That in our searching for hope, the first thing that we have to do is recognize that the world is broken, that even we ourselves are broken, that there are things that we can't mend ourselves. And so it causes our heart to go towards petition and prayer to say, yes, please come down and find us. And in that moment, we're not just asking for a solution to our problem. We're asking for a person to be present. Not only that, a powerful person. Someone who can cause mountains to tremble. Someone who can cause their enemies to quake. When we start to do that, our own hearts, because we're fleshy and we have doubts that creep in, we need to have something to hook on to. 
something solid. And so the prophet does that for us. So we have this petition of saying the world is bad. We need someone to come and we need it not just to be a solution. We need it to be the person, the presence. We need it to be someone. But we need it to be someone who's powerful and someone we can trust. And the prophet shows us why we can trust. He says, for when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard nor ear has perceived nor eye has seen any God beside you. You act on the behalf of those who wait. When we're searching for hope and we call out to this mighty, awesome, beautiful, compassionate, loving, trustworthy, powerful God. We can claim those things about him. We can even believe those things about him because he has always been mighty and beautiful and compassionate and mercy and powerful. We know that because of the history. We can look to our past like the prophet does here. We can look to the past of the world. We can look to the past of the Israelite nation. We can look even maybe in our own past. And know that there are places and times where I felt like I could not go on, but by the grace of God, the one who is mighty, who showed up when I asked him to rip the sky apart and came in his personhood. I can trust him because he's been there before. I can trust this God who is mighty. Does that all sound pretty good so far? It should. I, some of us are sitting here right now and we're saying, yes, yes, yes. That's exactly what I need. But then the prophet does something for us. And it gets uncomfortable. In our search for hope, in our crying out for the majesty of somebody who is powerful enough to take all the brokenness of the world and make it whole again, as we look towards the past and we see the things that, that this mighty, loving, compassionate, just-filled God does, then we also see him as holy. And when we see him as holy, our eyes turn to ourselves and we begin to think, can I even be in the presence of this God? Can I be in the place of somebody so mighty and so pure, so filled with truth and justice? See, that's what happens here. For the prophet, he says this, but when we counted, continued to sin against them, you were angry. You come and help those who gladly do right and remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. How can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We are like shriveled up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. See, we recognize that we want somebody to fix it. We recognize that wholeness needs to come from somebody beyond us. But it becomes very scary for us to encounter somebody that whole, that pure. Because when we do that, we might get revealed. It's easy for us to look out and say, others are causing this brokenness to happen. 
But when we come into the presence to the one who can make all things whole, we see our own brokenness. Sometimes when we hear that God is a holy God, righteous, it it can cause us to be fearful. God's holiness should not drive us to be afraid. God's holiness should cause us to have fear, meaning respect and awe, because he is mighty and whole and truth and purity. But when we see that holiness, it should not cause us to be afraid. That's a false understanding of what God is doing here. That his anger is turned towards the brokenness of the world. That his anger is turned towards those who have forfeited looking to him. And seeking wholeness in him. That they're seeking wholeness in themselves. That my own heart will figure this out. That my own mind will figure this out. That I'll be able to do this. But his holiness shouldn't cause us to be afraid. Because it's his holiness that ultimately brings us to the place of being saved. It is because he is holy that he is the one that we can call out to. It is because he is holy, he is the one that we can trust over and over and over again to make things whole. That's the reason why he says, look, we are so twisted up in ourselves. We're so afraid of your holiness, not fearful, but afraid that no one will even call out your name. No one will even strive to lay hold of you. If you're, if you're in that place, if you right now are in that place, in this, this place of desperation, of thinking to yourself, there is no way that I can ever grasp hold of this idea that there is somebody so merciful and full of justice and truth and so holy that they could possibly look on me. Hear these next verses. There's a call out that says, don't hide your face from me. In some ways it's saying, don't let me hide my face from you. And then he says, you are the Lord, are our father, a good father, a loving father. I know some of you did not have that. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you banish those things from our hearts and our minds and our spirits. That when we think of a father, we think of an abusive father. A father that is hurtful, a father that doesn't seek our best, doesn't want us to be in wholeness, but wants to overpower us. That's not the type of father you are when we say that. So Spirit, remind us of that. You, O Lord, are our father, and we are your clay. You are the potter. We are your work. This person who has cried out, who has said, rip open the sky, The world is bad down here. I need to to be made whole. This person says, I am broken as well. Not just the world, but me. Then receives the blessing of finding out who they really are. The workmanship of this holy and mighty God. The workmanship of the one who can come and rend open the sky 
and bring forth wholeness. And then I love this part, and I, I feel like we, as those who are walking in the way of Christ, should scream this out over and over again. Because it's not a reminder just to God, it's a reminder to us. Don't be angry with us beyond measure. Don't be angry with the things that we do. But look on us, we pray, we ask, and know and remember that we are your See, we search for hope, and in searching for hope, we find the presence of God, the one who comes down and reveals to us who we are, that we are God's people, that we are the clay that he forms and molds and makes into a beautiful offering for himself so that he receives glory and honor and praise, and we get to enjoy being in his presence. We are not those who tremble and shake like the mountains. We are not those who are the nations who battle against him. We are his people. So when he comes to us, we don't shake with fear and trembling. We instead celebrate and dance because he has come to bring us They were a long way off. They were far away. And they saw that the world was in desperate need. Their world was fine. It wasn't falling apart. But the world below was in desperate need. Something needed to happen. Something needed to change. People were just turned in on themselves, only being selfish. And the father, the one who is in charge, looks at the son and says, I think the best bet is for us to send you. And so across time and space, against any odds that we could ever imagine, in comes ripping through the sky. No. In comes secretly, quietly, being proclaimed by just a star, being proclaimed by angels later to shepherds, those who had no power. Comes God incarnate, the Son of God, the one who can rend the skies apart, Think about that. He could just rip them apart and show his power and come down. But to bring hope instead, he rips himself apart. He rends his own flesh on the cross so that we will receive hope. And so I know that the world today is hard. I know that brokenness seems to abound. And so we have in this psalm, the this, uh, this prophet, the language of lament to be able to cry out, do something. But we also have the response in Christ who says, I have rent the skies apart. I have rent myself apart to bring you wholeness. Let me pray. Father, you are good and all you do is good. We give you glory and honor and praise we hold on to you because you are our only hope. Let us hear that. Lord, if there are any words that are not your words today, let them be blown away. Let them burn up. Let them not stand. Let them be gone. But if there are words that are yours, we ask that they take deep root in our hearts so that they will bear good fruit and bring glory to you and allow us to be transformed into the people that you have called us because we are your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Let's stand and sing in response.